Hello and welcome back to the Quacked Out Pod. I'm back. I'm Charlie. Um, and this is Reed. You may have heard from Reed sooner than I. Uh, Reed, I only made it about halfway through your episode with Carlos before we started recording this one. Uh, how'd it go? It was really fun. Yeah. Uh, Carlos knows a bunch about UCLA and and the rest of the Pac-12, obviously, with his No Truck Stops podcast. And yeah, it was just a lot of fun. I encourage people to go listen to it. It's kind of something we just tried out because we had someone who was a UCLA fan who knew a lot uh, and I had a bit of a relationship with. So that was a lot of fun and maybe we'll we'll do more stuff like that in the future if we can but yeah yeah totally uh we did a little bit of that stuff last year like i know we had nate on uh to talk about wazoo last year which i almost forgot about last year <laughs> seems like a fucking decade ago uh yeah unfortunately i couldn't join you guys because i had class we are uh student podcasters it's like student athletes but a little more rigorous um <laughs> So yeah, ironically, I, it was my class with KT as well. Was the class I was in. So oh, wow. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll catch up on. Go ahead. Try to line up a guest appearance there, maybe with KT. <laughs> Not sure I would get that one past the uh, SID, <laughs> but um, so yeah, go check out that pod again. I'm working my way through it. Uh, gets kind of a more in-depth review of UCLA. So we don't have, I mean, we'll still talk about UCLA on this preview, obviously, um, but go check that out as well. Well, we're going to have some final thoughts here on the Cal game to start it off. Uh, we'll move into kind of what we can expect from UCLA, do some Pac-12 picks and take a look around the national scene as well. Um, Reed, do you want to start us off with something you noticed from the Cal game that maybe you hadn't before? Uh, yeah, sure. I can do that. Um... I think on offense, you know, the big thing that, that we en- didn't end up getting to our, our players of the game from that Cal game, but obviously Travis Dye carried the load mainly. I think he was both the leading rusher and receiver um, for like 250 plus total yards. Uh, and then also Devin Williams came in big time um, as a passing threat and, and that was really huge for Oregon. And and you, uh, I know, just put up that piece about Devin Williams kind of as an X factor for the UCLA game. Yep. It's definitely a key, I would say, as well, because the Ducks have an opportunity to establish a passing game versus a pretty weak UCLA secondary. And Devin Williams has looked like the guy to do that, maybe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, he had his breakout. Uh, thanks for plugging that. Go check out my piece. It's on Twitter and it's on uh, dailyemerald.com uh, for the game day issue. Um, I mean, Williams had a monster game against UCLA last year. Uh, if I can pull it up right here, it was um, 123 yards, six catches. And then he had a 101-yard game next week against Oregon State. And we were all like, oh, shit, like, this is the guy. This is our number one. I mean, we finally have a massive, lengthy receiver who can stretch the field, and as long as we can get the ball to him, he can make some great plays. A lot of fans still say that about this year uh, regarding Williams, and we still haven't seen him really break out yet. So, again, we got a little taste of it last week. 
he started off really hot with four catches in the first half, and then he wasn't targeted again for the rest of the game. So hopefully that can improve. Um, but yeah, as as for as of now, I think he is the biggest threat um, Oregon possesses against Cal, or sorry, UCLA, the other Cal. Um, and again, mainly this is because of what Carlos was talking about. UCLA's run defense is pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. Statistically speaking, they have um, one of, if not the best run defense in the Pac-12, I think. Um, let me pull this up real quick, even though I know this is bad audio. Um, yeah, well, they're the best rushing team in the conference by not a large margin, but a pretty significant one. Um, and then on defense, they're also the best uh, at stopping the run, narrowly beating out Oregon for that spot in terms of EPA per rush. Um, so it's kind of a strength versus strength matchup in many ways that obviously being the first one. Um, but getting back to the final thoughts on Cal a little bit, uh, I think we did a good job of stopping the run in this game, but the problem was they would whittle us down to third and short, and then they would get the runs that they needed to get. Mm -hmm. Um, so in that sense, like, yeah, I guess we, you could say we did a good job on average against the run, but if you can't stop them when it matters, the, you know, that doesn't play a huge part. Um, a couple other things on defense. I think this was probably the weakest game of the year for Verone McKinley, unfortunately. Um, we know he's pretty much the leader of this defense at this point. He and Jamal Hill, I don't think had fantastic games. Uh, Noah Sewell did, but we kind of expect that from him at this point. Um, on offense, I think that, you know, we already mentioned Williams and die, but I, in general, I just think they were more impressive on the rewatch and I remember remember them being, being, uh, in person. So that was good to see, uh, heading back to defense, Bill Musgrave, who's, uh, Cal's OC and a lot of Oregon fans obviously know his name from being a former Oregon QB. He dialed up some really nice play calls when he needed to, um, Again, it just always seemed like Cal had the answer for whatever we were throwing at him on third down. Um, And that's, you know, obviously credit to him. Uh, It was a big difference in the game. I have a couple final things, but do you have anything else you want to do about the Cal game? Um, I would just say overall, I do think that after pouring back over it a bit, um, this is... You know, it's tough to take away a positive from it because it should have never been as close as it was. But I do think that based on what we saw and the numbers bear this out with, with you know, the advanced analytics on, on box score, win potential and all of that, um, I think that it was closer than it probably should have been. Like you said, I think Cal got a lot of key runs when they needed a third and short Um and I think Oregon had a couple turnovers with Chris Hudson and Anthony Brown that docked their points a little bit more than it should have been. So, you know, that all that is to just say it was a game that was almost tied at the very end of it. And I think if you play it over again, more times than not, Oregon wins by 10 or 14 or something. Um, but then again, this team really should be beating Cal by... 20 or more uh so you know <laughs> it is what it is i guess yeah the stats from this game as hit and others have pointed out on twitter 
we're very screwed up. We even noticed it while we were recording. Um, and so even some of the advanced sites we used for, or we usually use for uh, these stats, like they take data from ESPN. So we couldn't make a, we couldn't paint a very accurate picture necessarily. Um, another site we often use collegefootballdata.com had Oregon as a 99% win expectancy in this game, just based on advanced stats alone. Uh, you know, meaning that if you take the same stats throughout the turnovers, which again, minus two turnovers to Oregon, I feel like a lot of people are overlooking that. Um, and we win this game more than nine times out of 10. In fact, like 99 times out of a hundred. So um, again, while it was not the performance we all hoped for, I'm, I don't think it was as bad as it seemed, I guess. Um, a couple other Dude. things. Yeah, dude, live, uh, live mid podcast recording. Ducks uniforms just got released. By the oh, way, oh really? All right, I'm gonna have to check this out. <laughs> I <laughs> not a visual medium, obviously. Yeah, not a visual know. medium. <laughs> uh, it looks like it's black helmet and then all white speckle. Other than that, I think it's fine. I, Ooh, I, like, I like it that. enough. I like it, dude. Um, Ooh, yeah. I I think that's clean, actually. Yeah, it's not like my favorite Oregon uniform ever or anything, but no. you know, it's about innovation at Oregon and and pushing the envelope in uniforms. And so I'm I'm into it. I think uh I the helmet looks like it's got a bit of a green tint on it too in this other uh That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's I think it's green wings on the helmet on the matte mm-hmm. black helmet. That'll be sick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of these, actually. I like yeah. them a lot. I'm I'm not as worried as it seemed like a lot of fans were early in the week when they just saw a little bit of the speckle pattern and and the jersey never looks as good in that Nike uh, online shoot where it's not on a yeah on a yeah athlete or in a on pads or anything. So also with the big uh, big old one on there, like it just looks kind of goofy. Um, right. It's like it's never going to be that like straight or anything you know it's always going to be a little bit wrinkled so anyways good thank you for spotting that um that's pretty sick i i am a fan of these um whatever you call it the cookies and cream or the speckles or the what's the main one i don't know i would also like to see some marble incorporated into this stuff i think it was arsenal (laughs) had some like had some kits that uh included some marble designs in the past few years i'd like to see like a, a little bit of marble marbled um white that'd be sick why not yeah man shoot D- do whatever looks cool you know um okay anyways you were saying what what was i saying um <laughs> oh the other thing i wanted to mention we didn't really talk about how bad the officiating was um, or mm. if we did, we didn't stress it enough because on rewatch, like it was atrocious, man. Uh, as they say on the, the podcast champions, it was ferocious, um, especially on this final drive. Again, it felt exactly like the Stanford game in person, because even though I couldn't necessarily see what was happening very well, um, I could still tell like from the reactions of the players and the reactions of people who could tell what was going on, that they were pretty questionable penalties. Um, on rewatch, 
of course, thanks to ESPN, you can only see like a quarter of what's going on at a time because they zoom in so much. Um, so there's not really any angles on the defensive holdings, but there were at least three uncalled offensive holdings on that drive alone. Um, also, from what I can gather, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're when they spiked the ball. This is getting so like picky. I don't even know. <laughs> this. Uh, when they spiked the ball, they were in a legal formation. They had eight guys on the line. Um, so, yeah. Wow, I didn't realize that. <laughs> it, it's pretty common, actually, on those spike plays. Uh, I remember seeing that somewhere. But, yeah, the, there were a lot of things that didn't go Oregon's way in this game uh, from an officiating perspective. And, yeah, that, that's all I really have to say. Also, we already we talked about Cam on the last episode as well, but uh, special teams overall deserves a big, big um, kudos. And, by the way, something I, I didn't even notice until I was doing some other research this week, um, Oregon's – uh, Oregon ranks as the third best team in FBS uh, in terms of opponent field position. And obviously a lot of that comes down to Tom Snee and the fact that mm-hmm. Cam doesn't give a lot of guys um, returning opportunities on kickoffs, which is always nice too. Um, but what else is interesting, uh, that's 20, the, the 24 yard line is the average, by the way, in case you were wondering. Um, that's number three in the nation. For yeah, UCLA, good. UCLA has the um, best field position in college football. They, they average starting at their own 43. Now, that sounds wrong wow. and it sounds crazy. Again, maybe there's some like weird stat glitch going on here. I know one of UCLA's games got kind of like super messed up earlier this season, but um, if that's true, that's – that's pretty crazy. Like the 43 yard line. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And even if, even, even if some data is skewing it a bit, I mean, I'm sure it's still somewhere in that ballpark, um, which is crazy. I mean, that's a huge advantage having to only go 60 yards, you know, complete four or five first downs and you're in, um, certainly, I mean, the specialist for Oregon, it's something, uh, no one really talks about that much, and and we're not an exception to that exactly. But they certainly deserve a shout out because both both Snee and Camden have been really good. Mm-hmm, definitely, um, yeah. There's been many times this season where I not so joking, not so jokingly call Tom Snee our best offensive player. Um, <laughs> speaking of other players. Uh, there's a great feature on Brandon Dorless that just came out. It's in um, the Daily Emerald. My editor, Shane Hoffman, put it together, and he's a really good writer. You should check that out. Uh, I know you're a big Dorless guy. We're the number one Dorless fans on this podcast. Yeah, um, I got to I I I check plug this shit out of that because, yeah, it's, it's really good. He got quotes from his parents and everything. Uh, there's some real interesting, like, stories in there, um, just kind of about him overcoming adversity and also, like, he didn't even really want to play football as a kid, so it's there's a really, really funny story about how his dad convinced him um, to play football in there. But anyways, go check that out. Shameless plug. And yeah. All right. Anything else to say about Cal or can we forget this game ever happened? Uh, We can. Yeah, we can certainly put it out of mind, at least for the rest of this episode. Yeah. Launch it far, far away. Okay. UCLA coming up. Obviously, game day will be on hand. That's a big deal. 
Um, mm-hmm. The Bruins and Ducks have a history. It seems like both programs have peaked at similar times in the past. Um, certainly Oregon's like first big dose of national recognition, I guess, if you can even call it that. Uh, being in the top five, I guess is what I would call it. Oregon's first big dose of that came around the turn of the century, like 2001 specifically. UCLA was mm-hmm. really good around that time as well. Um, both teams played multiple ranked matchups against each other around that era. Um, and now we're back. Like, <laughs> it's, it's very funny that um, this was the game that popped out early in the season when both Oregon and UCLA had those big out-of-conference wins. Everybody just immediately pointed to it, obviously. And they were like, oh, man, that's the big game. Like, that's the biggest Pac-12 game of the year. Um, that may or may not be true. I think it mostly depends on what happens going forward in the conference. Um, but regardless, I think it's really, I think it's really interesting that, I mean, all it took was one win over LSU for UCLA to like throw themselves into the national spotlight. Um, a lot of people obviously kind of had them as dark horses to win the conference. I think they were like, dude, memory serves. I think they were plus 1600 to start the year uh as Pac-12 champs or maybe that was Pac-12 South champs either way I mean it was just really tough to tell where UCLA would be um within this conference even at the start of the year because you also had USC Arizona State and Utah all in the mix all three of those teams have stumbled um UCLA has also stumbled so I guess all four of them some more (laughs) than others I think it's safe to say um First of all, where are you putting UCLA in terms of like your Pac-12 power rankings right now? Are are they four? Are they higher than ASU? Are they still below Oregon no. State? No, no, they got they got beat pretty good by ASU. I think I think you have to have um, Utah and ASU ahead of them, and yeah. I think Oregon deserves to be ahead of them right now, but. That doesn't mean I'm that confident about this matchup. I mean, as we've said, UCLA is a two-point favorite. Um, so Oregon is not, you know, clearly the better team here, uh, even though I think their resume is better. So I put UCLA right there with Oregon State fighting for that fourth spot. Um, yeah, same. And I could go either way on that. I, I also wanted to mention – you talked about the early 2000s. Um, a memory I have against UCLA, I believe, is um, 2012 in that uh, Brett Huntley, Miles Jack era. Mm. Um, that was the first time I went to game day in Eugene, and I actually Ooh. got up to the front row there. Uh, oh, yeah. And that was an awesome game. Um, I think it was tied 14-14 at half, and it was really close. And then I think the Ducks put up 28 unanswered in the second half. <laughs> Sounds about I remember right. right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as as we did in that era. But um, that was one of the best Ducks teams ever. But but UCLA was a top 15 team then as well. So you're definitely right. These teams have been have been good a few times at the same time. And this is another year where there's a lot of attention on this matchup. Um, even if it's not the best matchup in the Pac-12 this year, I, I think it's probably the only one that's going to get game day. I don't yeah, really see yeah. another one if on the US, slate that if, will. Uh, if Arizona State and Utah didn't last week, I think this is going to be the only shot. Unless the Beavers make a run and maybe they make a trip to Autzen, but 
Yeah, the big issue with that is it's rivalry weekend. You know, you have yeah. Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Bam and Auburn, you know, all the rivalry games yeah. going on that week. There, there's a bunch of options. Even Penn State, Michigan State might get it if both those teams yeah. pan out well. Anyways, um, shoot, dude, Apple Cup in Seattle. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> maybe at the start of the year i I could see an argument for it but uh oh man (laughs) oh love the huskies um it's too bad i think wazoo would have had a chance to upset them and and i'd be rooting for them obviously if it wasn't for the whole rollo disaster so yeah so okay i mean we already kind of did our top third of of these rankings here where are you thinking like the two washington schools are in relation personally i have wazoo and oregon state Kind of closer to each other than than UCLA and Oregon State, um, but I mean, is Washington the third worst team in this conference right now? Mm, I I don't know. To me, I see a big mess of pretty bad teams after that. I think that the five we mentioned are the five teams I actually think are good in this conference. I guess if you want to say that, you know, whatever you define. So let's I think define. All let's top. define it this way. Uh, have a chance of winning their division a realistic yeah. chance of winning their division yeah i mean absolutely if if that's how you define it then yes those are the five also you could say top 40 um you know teams that could have solid bowl wins all those things but yeah div- those are the division contenders first off um and then the next five you could rank any order i have arizona and colorado at the bottom right now of course me Maybe Colorado changes that, but I don't think so no. at all. Um, Both these teams are so, so bad. I mean, maybe Colorado yeah. beats Cal. Yeah, and, and they're all just kind of a different brand of mediocrity. I mean, I think Wazoo is, was the best of them probably, uh, but now with Rolo, who knows how that will end up, but probably not good. USC is obviously the most talented, and they have Drake London, Stanford is just confident, competent, you know, squeezing every last bit out of a, you know, roster and scheme that isn't that great, but they execute well. They don't beat themselves. Washington is complete disaster. Um, And Cal is, you know, the team that you would label as as bad as Colorado and Arizona, but they've somehow looked impressive more impressive than one in five. They have the best one in five team in America, you know, competition. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's really criminal that Colorado has a better record than Cal. It it really is. Um, Yeah. I I can't really disagree with any of that. Personally, my list is like after Oregon state at five, it's Wazoo only because I'm not looking ahead yet with Rolo Mm -hmm. projecting that. I I just want to see what happens. Um, shoot, maybe they're still good, you know, maybe it inspires them or some shit. I don't know. And and they beat the Beavers too. You could even have them four Exactly, yeah, Rolo that's, or that's why I have them Rolo. so close, yeah. yeah. Um, then I have Stanford, USC, Cal, UW, and then Colorado and Arizona. Um, doing a rewatch of the UCLA-Washington game, I, it was, I mean, people talked about the Oregon game as being boring and like really hard to watch. Jesus Christ, dude. Washington is so bad. They're so bad. Yeah. Um, again, even when UCLA played a pretty bad game themselves, but 
it was the type of thing where on their worst day, I don't, I don't know if UCLA would end up losing to that team. Um, <laughs> it, it was just, it was brutal. Yeah. I mean, when, when UW needed something, they could not get it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to keep going about that game. Um, I, I do want to say one thing just in relation to this upcoming game versus UCLA. Um, as we talk about the rest of the conference, the schedule after UCLA is starting to open up a little more than we had thought previously, um, which is just underlining how big of a game this is because the next three after that, Colorado, which we're, you know, should be really confident about at home, Washington, which more and more it seems like any type of logical, rational analysis of these two teams would have Oregon winning by a lot. You just hope some funky, you know, rivalry shit doesn't happen that sways that outcome. And then Wazoo three weeks after, or, you know, is the third game in that stretch. And again, we can't totally speculate, but they lost Rolo and a bunch of staff members. Um, So those three games all start to feel pretty light. And then... I don't know. So it's just interesting to me to project narratives a bit sometimes because Oregon wins this UCLA game, which is going to be very close. Uh, and then they have a great chance to rattle off three games. They absolutely should win. And all of a sudden, this team could be 9-1 and one heading into Utah, which will be another really tough game. But there's a chance to... All, all these Oregon fans are throwing the playoff hopes out the window, but it will be a different tune in the case that Oregon does get to 9-1, and one, obviously. I think that the buzz will start to hype up a lot, uh, regardless of how good the Ducks even look. Just being 9-1 and one in a Power 5 conference with the win over Ohio State necessarily is going to put you right in that mix. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think I speak for a lot of Oregon fans when I say that nobody is really expecting this team in its current state to make the playoff at all um, mm-hmm. and an expectation. And you know, this as well, like an expectation of improvement is there if we are to make any sort of run like that. Um, right. And so this is a great week to see some of that improvement. I mean, if <laughs> we keep saying this every, we've said this every week since Ohio state basically, but um, the team's gotta be better if we expect to reach the goals we want. And the goal this mm-hmm. year we said coming in was, you know, similar, but when are we going to take that next step? Cristobal keeps talking about it himself. When are we going to take that next step to being a playoff team instead of just uh, the king of the whatever the Pac-12 is? Um, <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody. Um, okay, so if we get into this UCLA matchup a little bit more, uh, again, go back and listen to Reed's episode with Carlos. Uh, they got pretty deep into this one, but... Um, Again, it's kind of a it's, – it's not going to be a matchup we're used to seeing in terms of strengths. Even with the other big game this year against Ohio State, their obvious strength was passing and, you know, moving the ball downfield at a quick pace. Uh, UCLA can move the ball, but usually they do it on the ground. Um, DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, has been there forever. Uh, this is his fourth year starting, is that right? Um, yep. So, I mean, 
the man threw a, <laughs> threw a fucking pass this year, 15 yards past the line of scrimmage. Like in a lot of ways, I think it's similar to what Anthony Brown offers. Not, not the throwing beyond the line of scrimmage part, but um, just this, the supposedly savvy veteran who is still kind of inconsistent um, and therefore I don't want to say holding the team back, but you know they can do better. And you know that uh, the team can be great if the quarterback play is great. Um, so, again, yeah. there's another I, similarity I, between these teams. They both have a threat with their legs. I think, you know, it would be it would be unfair to say that Anthony Brown is the same caliber as DTR. I definitely think that DTR is is the 2.0 or 3.0 version of that same kind of mold for sure. Um, but he's not elite. He hasn't hit the deep balls that are necessary. And in talking to Carlos, it was interesting. And, he, you know, he said um, this offense just doesn't lean on or rely on DTR uh, as much as some outsiders think because he is that name that a lot of people know nationally because of the recruiting rankings. But, you know, it, it in reality is probably more similar to some of those Chip Kelly offenses we saw where a guy like Darren Thomas is back there at quarterback, but really um, he's not the guy winning or losing you games as much as he's facilitating for some other key pieces to get involved. Um so, yeah, I think that the DTR factor is a bit overblown probably uh, in terms of how big of an impact he will make on this game. Um, but it will be interesting to see. I, I had a thought, and I, I wanted to say that Travis Dye has to outrush Zach Charbonnet for the Ducks to win this game. I don't... I, I want to backtrack on that. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think it's more so a case of if Travis Dye can outrun Zach Charbonnet, then I think the Ducks will win. I, I think that's kind of a, what do they call it? A padlock stat uh, is what Pate calls it. Like if you see mm -hmm. the final, um, if you're able to see one final stat from the end of the game, uh, then you, you'd be able to know who won. Dye is really good, man. He, he's been amazing for us. And Charbonnet is a different level for sure. Yep. But that being said, I, I think I trust our defense a little more than uh, UCLA's right now. Yeah, I definitely trust our defense more. Um, and, and I think that especially Kayvon Thibodeau coming in is kind of the X factor for this defense. He's played very sparingly. I almost don't count the time that he did play against Stanford because... I feel like it was such, uh, I don't know, he, he wasn't fully in having settled into the defense uh, as much as he was in that first quarter against Fresno when he was really special. And then the second half against Cal, he was unbelievable as well. So I think that Kayvon coming on gives this Oregon defense an X factor um, that could change a lot of things uh, for them and, and, ramp them up to that next level where they maybe aren't giving up that free touchdown that we talk about early where they kind of sleepwalk through a drive. Um, you know, if they just take off seven points here or there um, or 14 points in this game, that is a huge shift or force a field goal here or there. Um, that could do a lot. I think 
similar to you, I'm, I'm most worried about Charbonnet, and specifically I'm worried about him targeting that second inside linebacker spot for the Ducks. We've talked about it before, uh, and as the Ohio State game wore on, that was where the Buckeyes started to have success, was targeting whether it's Keith Brown, Nate Hukulani, or Jeff Bossa, who started the Cal game, interestingly. Um, none of those guys are, you know, quite to the level that you want to be playing them as starters in a game like this. So that's a weakness for the Ducks. And unfortunately, that's one of the areas where a weakness matches up with a strength for the opponent. Um, so that's going to be a key place to try to get some serviceable play from one of those um, guys. I would also throw, I mean, we've been mentioning Jabril McNeil like once a week at this point. He, Hopefully he can get some meaningful reps there. Uh, I mentioned Jamal Hill earlier in terms of not having his best game against Cal. If Jamal Hill has a great game, I see it, I find it really hard for this defense to give up a lot of points and, and or yards. Um, mm -hmm. I also think something that um, I, I haven't had too much of an eye on, but that something I was made aware of kind of on a rewatch, uh, Trekwise Bridges is getting a lot of reps at corner, um, sometimes mm -hmm. more so than yeah, DJ James. split reps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I know Manning was kind of the guy we hyped up a little bit more coming in a year ago just because he had the higher rating. But, I mean, Bridges is no slouch, man. Again, if he was in during the Stanford game and he doesn't get kicked out on the damn kickoff um, to start the game, I, I really do think we win that game. So, mm -hmm. like, we'll see what happens um, at corner, but that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, obviously, Mikhail, we know what he can do already, but um, keep an eye on the rotations between James and Bridges. Um, also on the back end, I wonder if this is the week where Scoop David gets some reps. Um, I think he appeared in the Stony Brook game, and that might be his only game he's gotten snaps in so far. He was injured yeah. earlier in the year, but that's a guy who I really want to see. Yeah, I think he might have played a bit on kickoff coverage, but I don't think he's played as much with the defense. But I, I do think that he's probably coming along and has a chance to have a breakout game, whether it's this week or sometime in the next few weeks. I think he's a guy looking to crack the rotation for sure after having some really positive buzz in camp. Um, another big factor in this game that I didn't even know about until I talked to Carlos uh, is is UCLA's really star wide receiver Kyle, Kyle Phillips is questionable for this game. He has their he has six touchdowns for them this year already, um, and he's just been their best receiver. They have a pretty good group overall, but he's been the main guy, um, and he didn't travel with the team to UW last week. Obviously, we're familiar with Chip Kelly. He doesn't love to give up, give out more information that he has to on injuries. Um, so who knows how that will shake out? But usually, you don't travel with the team one week. There's a you're at least going to be questionable the next week, um, and so that would be a huge factor in this game if he doesn't play because that takes away the passing attack that much more, and gives Oregon an opportunity to focus in on on Charbonnet and also Britton Brown, another running back for them, who is a step down from Charbonnet, but still will have a pretty big role in this rushing attack. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, I, I mentioned about Scoop and 
kind of the secondary as a whole. Like this group is thin. I mean, if you count mm-hmm. uh, Bennett Williams in the star position as being in the secondary, it's extremely thin. I mean, we're one injury away from a. I you know I'm not obviously not like wishing this or trying to speak it into existence. Um, if like Steve Stevens or Verone go down, I mean, Scoop David is in the game, if not starting yeah. the game. Yeah. Scoop so, or Happel or someone, but yeah. I mean, yeah, much. right now Happel's like backing up Jamal Hill is the only other nickel on the team. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see if we ever get our depth tested there. Um one place we do have depth, and we already mentioned Dev Williams, but wide receiver is just so insanely deep on this team right now. Um, even a guy like, you know, I feel like Chris Hudson's name always gets overlooked when we talk about wide receiver. Um, and, I mean, he doesn't have, like, the talent rating that some of these other guys had. But, I mean, the guy can move. Like, I know he dropped the mm-hmm. ball. I know he keeps making, like, a couple stupid mistakes here and there. But I'd like to see a little bit more of him. Um, I would just like to see – people getting the ball thrown to them in general. Like, I, yeah. I just want to see it spread out a little bit, especially against a team that stops the run as well as UCLA does. I'm not saying we turn into air raid and start passing on first down every drive or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, we're going to have to more than likely. Um, if we establish the run, you know, then it can open up the pass. I, <laughs> I, I don't have to explain to our fans how football works. Um, but that's definitely an area to watch for me as well. And finally, like the offensive line, I mean, I want to see if we kind of roll with the same guys we did last week. Um, Jackson powers, Johnson obviously wasn't playing in the game. Um, and then Sala got the start at right tackle. We should have Alex Forsyth back. So I'm wondering just how many different bodies we see throughout the course of this game, um, on offense or on offensive line. Sorry. What else are you looking for? Yeah, I think that one thing that, um, you know, I've made this, I made this point a lot in the, in the bye week after Stanford is that this Oregon team just wasn't quite at the roster level that people assume they are based on the recruiting rankings. Um, and that stood out to me even more before this week. Um, in the context of, you know, I, I was writing a recruiting preview on UCLA for Scoop Duck. Go check that out. Um, I think it will be up, you know, shortly. Um, and flat out, this UCLA offense is more talented than Oregon's. Uh, and that's not a narrative that people have in their mind because everyone assumes that Oregon is, is becoming the you know, big, bad, talented team in the Pac-12 uh, and that they're squandering a talent avan- advantage against all these other teams. Um, but really, that hasn't been the case, especially on offense. Uh, I, the defense is super talented for sure. Um, but the offense, you just go by the numbers and you look at who playing is actually a Cristobal guy. And I talked about this before. Um, but in my mind, how I classify it is Cristobal has signed three classes with Oregon, 2019, 2020, and 2021. 18, some people count. Um, and I think there's an argument for it by certain players. I think, you know, Penne was a, you know, Cristobal guy, but ultimately 
Cristobal took over about two weeks before early signing day as an interim even, I believe, um, and then, you know, came into the regular signing period and finished out that class. But with how recruiting works now, you set a full year in advance. Anyways, all this is to say, 2019, great class, right? But the big guys on that class were mainly defensive. You have Kayvon Thibodeau, Mace Funa, Mikhail Wright, um, and the big top, the two top 100 guys on offense for that class are Micah Pittman and Jonah Taunu'u. Um, Micah plays, right? Jonah's retired now. So um, that's one guy that Chris Ball has signed on offense that was a big recruit that is playing, and he's kind of a .5 starter. He, he splits reps in this five-man, six-man rotation at receiver. Um, the next year in 2020, again, it was a super highly rated class, you know, in the top 10 range, but who are the big names who Oregon brought in that buoyed that class ranking? It was the defensive guys. It was Noah Sewell, Justin Flo, and Dante Manning, the three five stars. Chris Hudson is the guy on that team, on that unit who also has, or on that class that also got brought in. But again, 19 and 20 were great classes that we look at. Uh, and say that, you know, in the time they're best in school history, but they were really founded with great defensive classes. Cristobal didn't bring in an elite offensive group until 2021. And, and that's just to say that going forward, the Oregon offensive, you know, whatever talent gap that people think Oregon has over the opposition on the offensive the side of the ball especially is going to change drastically because if you look at who is getting starting reps on the Oregon offense right now and how many of those guys are Cristobal guys, you have Stephen Jones from 2018, you could argue is one, I guess, but again, he wasn't the head coach in that cycle for more than a couple weeks. Uh, otherwise, Sala and Bass are both signed by him, but those are Juco guys who he brought in you know, because there was a talent deficit there, that's not the blueprint to build up a, a high school player that you bring into the program year one and you train for two or three years and plug in. Um, so on the offensive line, other than that, it's Forsyth and it's George Moore um, and it's Jeremillo, guys who aren't Cristobal guys, and then Powers Johnson is breaking in now. Uh, and you have the two tight ends, young freshman tight ends. Those count as starters that Chris Ball brought in, but again, very young. Receiver, you have Hudson and uh, Pittman are kind of .5 guys, co-starters. And then quarterback and running back, two of the most Im important positions, are not Chris Ball guys at all. Uh, Anthony Brown is obviously a classic example of a quick fix, as is... Uh, uh, and, and Travis Dye is a long-term guy who's been very productive. But again, he was signed way before Cristobal came here. Um, so this, the, the narrative that Oregon is way more talented than UCLA just isn't accurate because on the other hand, Dorian Thompson-Robinson and Jack, Zach Charbonnet, literally top 40 players out of high school, both of them. They have a ton of four stars at wide receiver. Um, they're a really talented offense. Oregon isn't coming into this game with a huge talent advantage on that side of the ball. Yeah. 
I, I think that's a really great point because as you said, I mean, a lot of people would assume it's the, the opposite, right? Um, mm-hmm. Even with like Brown and Die being in there, I mean, even guys like Johnny Johnson weren't really rated coming out of high school. Um, and yet he gets meaningful reps for us. I think it's also worth mentioning um, just as kind of a perspective thing when we talk about Oregon's offense, that even pinning down who the fuck the starters are can be extremely difficult. Um, I mean, on our, on the depth chart, there's four different guys listed as, you know, a starting tight end, for example. Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, maybe less of an argument for DJ Johnson as he's had more defensive snaps, but like Montevallo Ferguson or Webb are all like listed as ors on the depth chart. Um, either right and they they do that because they split up tight end and the flanker and y tight end but point being like i i think we are i am really interested to see where the offense goes once we do get some of those younger crystal ball guys in um Mm -hmm. and yeah i mean we'll, we'll just we'll have a control to uh compare it against so it'll be really interesting um, all right, you want to hop into some Pac-12 picks before, or do you want to like like do your score prediction for this game? Yeah, I think that ultimately uh, this game, I think it's going to be close. Um, I think it's probably played in the thirty low thirty range, uh, maybe high twenties. Um, and I don't know. I, I it's tough for me to get a real feel on this game because especially Oregon's passing attack for CCLA's weak secondary. It's kind of a weakness on weakness where I don't know which way that's going to break. Um, and I think we'll just have to see pretty early if, if Anthony Brown is feeling it, you know, I mean, he, at the end of the day, he is a division one quarterback. We, you know, regardless of him not having that much success, so far, he can throw a 20-yard ball accurately. I know he can do it. And, and if he plays well to, you know, in this spot, they have the potential to have some success there. On the other hand, maybe UCLA has gained some confidence and improved uh, because their best performance came against an incompetent Washington offense uh, for those DBs. So, yeah, I think that'll be interesting to see. Uh, I also think it, one other factor that we didn't mention really, um, just playing this game in, in California, in L.A. specifically, Oregon has so many guys from there. Um, I do have a feeling that this team is going to come out pretty focused. Uh, and we've seen Oregon play well in big games. So I'm hoping that it seems like the staff has given a lot of attention to this game. Uh, and so I expect Oregon to play pretty well. But if UCLA's offense is clicking at the same time, I don't know if we can keep up uh, with points against them and, and race with them into the 40s or anything. So going to have to play well on both sides. I, don't know. I think this offense is capable of putting up points. Uh, they obviously just haven't done it. I mean, mm-hmm. we were able to outscore Ohio State mainly by stopping them, especially in the first half. And then Verdell gets that big run to make it 21-7. But um, <sighs> official score, I think I'll go mm-hmm. uh, 35-31. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. No, you know what? 35-28. Yeah. Same as the Ohio State game, but only because I don't think Chip's going to kick field goals. He knows better. Than yeah, that. yeah. 
Yeah, I'll go 31-28 Oregon. Um, but I really think it could go either way. I'm, I'm nervous about this one. I can't lie. Um, especially because, like I said, the schedule sets up all right. So uh, wherever you think this Oregon team is, and you can say they're not a top-10 team, and sure, they haven't looked like it recently, but at the same time, you don't get – to be ranked literally in the top 10 that often and have one loss at this point in the season. Uh, and this is a chance to get a big win on the road. You cover through the next few weeks and you, all of a sudden you have a real chance to do something special here. So I'm excited. I'm nervous. Um, but I think it's going to be fun overall. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. With that being said, let's get going on these PAC 12 picks. Um, you should basically just fade our picks at this point because we're both under 500. Um, <laughs> <laughs> both went one and three last week against the spread. Um, and there were only, you know, with only four games, you'd expect to still get at least two wins out of that. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, we trudge on. Um, first game we're going to do UW at Arizona. This is actually Friday night, 7.30 game. Mm-hmm. Washington on the road, 18-point favorite. Who you got in this one? Arizona. Arizona all the way. I don't 18 points with the Huskies, I just don't. They can shoot them regardless of what Arizona does. Washington can shoot themselves in the foot enough times to not cover 18. I'm going to disagree with you. <laughs> And this is great. We already have our first point of difference. Um, Reed, what was the score of the Arizona game last week? What, 34 to nothing or something? And and who did they play against? The vaunted Colorado offense. If Colorado <laughs> can <laughs> if Colorado can cover this against Arizona, then you dub can too. Um they, they have a bunch of that bad. Yeah, but do you Colorado had a 50-yard pick six and a, a uh, punt block for a touchdown. I mean, yeah. These are all that, things that there I, some I can stuff, see Arizona repeating. Yeah. Um, yeah, fair enough. All right, let's go to our next game. We got the Cougar Bowl up in Pullman. BYU at Wazoo. That is a Nick Rolovich-less Wazoo, of course. Um, as a result, probably because of that more than anything, BYU is favored by four and a half here. I'm actually going to pick the Cougars in this one. What about you, Reed? Oh, uh, I don't know. I can't tell. Like, BYU was ranked 10th so recently. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, they haven't beat anyone convincingly. I just have no idea how Washington State's going to respond. So it's, I mean, there's no way I would put money on this in real life. Oh, I already uh, you have you put oh, yeah. Washington State. Oh my yeah. God! Wow. Yeah, um, no, it's bad. So here, here's the deal, right? Um, everyone expects Wazoo to lose this game just because they know Nick Rolovich has been fired. This is not how the Pac-12 works. The way the Pac-12 works is they win this game, and it's like a crazy cool story for them, and then they get slaughtered by ASU next week on the road. That that's how this is supposed mm-hmm. to go. So I'm okay. I'm, that's my rationale for picking Wazoo. I'll, I'll I'll stick with Wazoo. I'm scared to go on the opposite side of you here, so I'll <laughs> I'll stick with Wazoo. Um, 
next oh that game is at what time what channel uh 12 30 right that's there's three 12 30 games uh oregon being one of them uh the other 12 30 game is colorado at cal cal are nine point favorites in this game at home after almost pulling off the upset in Autzen. <sighs> do you want to answer this one first i already have my pick but uh i'll go cal yeah, I'll go Cal. We have another point of difference, my friend. I'm taking Colorado, baby. The Buffs, you know, big win last week. Obviously, they got a lot of help from special teams and fluky touchdowns and stuff. But um, it would make a, too much sense to pick Cal here uh, in, in a single-digit spread after they almost beat Oregon. Too much sense. Mm. Um, all right, the – First of two 430 games. It's a really interesting slate this week. It's all the Saturday games are at two times. Um, USC at Notre And no Dame. after dark. And no after dark, yeah. Good job, George. I'm sure you had nothing to do with that. Uh, USC at Notre Dame. Notre Dame are seven-point favorites. Reed, you, you got a pick here? Are you giving the Trojans uh, any shot? No. Nah, well, I mean, who knows? But I'll take Notre Dame. Uh, I, I hate both these programs so much, oh, um, yeah. but I'll take Notre Dame. I hate both these programs a lot, and I just have a sinking feeling that um, I'll be watching this game and it'll be close coming down to the end, uh, and USC will just find a way to lose. Um, so even though I, I don't see USC winning this game, I'm taking them plus seven against the spread. All right, final game, Beavers hosting Utah. Utah are three-point favorites in this game, and a lot of people want Oregon State in this one. Personally, I'm taking Utah. I think they're just the overall better team. They were super convincing last week against Arizona State. On the flip side of that coin, though, (laughs) a lot of people are crowning them as the best team in the Pac-12 right now, which historically doesn't bode well for whoever's in that position. Who do you have, Reed? Um, Yeah, you know, I kind of think that Utah is going to pull it out in the end, but I could go Oregon State. This line just isn't quite what I wanted it to be to pick Oregon State. If it was close to a touchdown, mm-hmm. uh, I'd I'd ride with the Beavs. But yeah, I think I'll I'll go Utah. Um, important to note for Ducks fans. I mean, if if they can. Uh, if Utah wins this, all of a sudden every other team in the North we'll have two losses. So, yeah, that's a good point. Um, Utah also control their own destiny in the South. So, I mean, it's, it's there to lose, you know, it's right there. Um, all right, let's quickly cover some national games. Uh, so I can head out to this meeting. There aren't a ton of Mm. national games this week, great national games this week, but, um, there are a few, uh, did you watch any of the, uh, coastal Carolina game last night, Reed? No, no, I didn't. And, but they're still fraudulent, like I said. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like we can tell which which teams are going to perform poorly in the national spotlight each week. Hmm. They hadn't played anyone, so I mean. Yeah. Um, what are the games you're keeping an eye on this weekend? Um, I mean, the day obviously centers around the Ducks game in primetime, big, or I guess, you know, early afternoon. Uh, there's a lot of kind of prime time windows now it feels like, but 
Anyways, games I'm keeping an eye on. It's so many big spreads this weekend. Um, you know, I mean, like Wake Forest could go down to Army, but I mean, who really cares, even though they're 6 0? Uh, Iowa State, Oklahoma State's a big one I'm watching. Um, and, you know, other than that, maybe, you know, the Pac 12 games I want to watch. Uh, see what happens at USC Notre Dame, but it's other than that, it's kind of seeing if anything funky happens. Um, maybe Bama, Tennessee's close, maybe Indiana, Ohio state's close. Um, you know what it sounds like it sounds like yeah. a, a great Saturday to watch a lot of PAC 12 football. Exactly. Yeah. As, as is every weekend, but I mean, you mentioned the these high spreads on a lot of these games. I can't help but feel one of like these top ten teams will go down. I mean, yeah, I, usually do. I just like couldn't when, tell you which yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, on paper, like you can't tell me Illinois is going to beat Penn State. You can't tell me Kansas yeah. is going to beat Oklahoma, or that Navy will beat Cincinnati, or that Northwestern will beat Michigan. But I Iowa State is favored by a touchdown versus Oklahoma State is the big yeah, one yeah. like that. But but I almost don't count that but that would be big in oklahoma state at eight you know that's definitely one you should watch just to see and it helps the ducks if oklahoma state goes down yeah maybe check out nc state at miami uh nc state could are, are on the inside track right now to win the acc i think so i don't know maybe, maybe check out some acc football if you got nothing else to do um even ohio state at indiana that's only a 20 point spread <laughs> Uh, Tennessee at Bama you know similar thing so West Virginia at TCU might be entertaining if not quality there's also some good group of five matchups later in the day Uh, UTSA who are ranked by the way they're undefeated this year they they play at Louisiana Tech Um, SDSU play Air Force and they're not favored that's a big game Um, Mm. and Nevada Fresno is also big as well so maybe check some of those out all right Reed you got anything else before we sign off no, nah, I think we hit it all. Um, go check out the the last podcast if you haven't for more talk about this game. Um, but, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Yep. Thanks a lot. Go Ducks. Go Ducks.